Today's reading is from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 5. The call of Abram. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and they headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you for that reading. Um, hello, my name is Laura. Um, for those who don't know me, I have been part of the 630 congregation for a good few years now. Um, I first came to Nottingham as a student, and I now work for the NHS as an occupational therapist. And it is so good to be with you this evening, in person and online. Um, it is very weird to have faces to speak to again, um, instead of just a little webcam or a blinking camera lens, but it is very, very lovely. And tonight we are taking a small detour from ACTS, where we have spent the last couple of weeks um, and as we have heard, um, pretty much from the beginning of our service, um, <laughs> that today is actually the first gift day for our 79 Made Marian Way project. So we are going to spend a little bit of time in Genesis as we think about how God generously blesses his people in order to build his kingdom. And our verses are taken from the beginning of Abraham's story, before he was known as Abraham, but they are the same man. I know you know that, but I'm just giving you, you can't be too clear, can you? Okay. So as I was praying for this evening, um, I felt God ask me the question, what is in your hands? And by that, I don't think he meant literally what is in your hands, like your phone or your Bible, or if you're joining us from home, maybe a cup of tea. But I think he meant, what do you have? Or what are you holding on to? What is within your reach? And it could encompass anything from the responsibilities you have to the opportunities that are open to you, the resources you have and how much. And I think in the context of our service that we can't ignore that resources um, can refer to our capacity to give financially to the vision that we have just heard all about. But that is not all it means. It means our time, our ability to offer hospitality, your gifts and your skills. And I felt that there were a couple of responses that we may have to that question that need to be explored this evening. So I felt that there are some who have something that they need to put down or release so that they can accept something new from God. And I felt that there are those that need to consecrate what they do have afresh to the Lord.
And I think that the passage we have tonight offers us something, no matter which of those positions maybe feels more relevant to us. We have these two movements in our passage. Firstly, we see that the Lord has called Abram out from where he currently is in order to call him in to a new season of blessing. We hear Abram receive the Lord's instruction to leave the familiar, his country and his community, right down to his closest relatives, all in order to follow the Lord to a new place. But then we hear about the lavish blessings that the Lord promises Abram to give him descendants, a legacy, and his protection. The Lord has called him out in order to call him in. And secondly, we see that the Lord extends the blessing beyond Abraham and through him. He says, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. Abraham has been called in not just to receive God's blessing, but to share it to reach out and extend God's blessing to others. So let's spend a little bit of time looking at each of those two moves as we think about what we have in our hands. So firstly, we see that Abraham is called out in order to be called in. So Abraham is asked by God to leave his father's household, which on first reading initially seems harsh. But actually, God knew that for Abraham to truly receive the blessings that he was promised, in its full extent, he needed to come out of his father's household and jurisdiction. In the cultural context that Abraham was in, the father was the head of the family. He had economic and spiritual authority over his wife and his children, sometimes even the extended family and all of the servants and slaves that have been absorbed into the household. And this could extend to his sons too, even if they were married or had children of their own. We are given an example in Genesis 46, when Jacob overrules his son Joseph in the blessings he bestows on his grandsons, Joseph's children. So in order for Abraham to live up to his name, which actually translates as father, to assume the position that he now holds as a patriarch of our faith. He needed to come out from under his own father's authority so that he could assume the position of authority that God wished to um, bestow upon him. And I think this part of our passage perfectly demonstrates that sometimes there are things that are essential to leave behind in order to move forward. Sometimes those things are wholly negative and we could recognize them for that. Like when we are left grounded or burdened by grudges or unforgiveness. Sometimes they are things that are insidious and invisible and take a while to show themselves, like being wedded to a worldly expectation or entitlement. And sometimes it is not so simple to identify because it has been something that has previously been positive. A situation or a relationship that was initially good, but in its current form, it no longer serves us or allows us the opportunity to grow. We can be blinded by the familiar, bound to roles and narratives that may be comfortable, 
but are no longer fulfilling. And when I met with Gareth to discuss this evening and what I was trying to say um, and what I meant, he asked me to give him an example. And the example that I gave him was how we even came to be having that conversation in the first place, how I come to be speaking to you this evening. And he encouraged me to share this with you so we can blame him. So um, I've shared bits and bobs in my testimony before, but I became a Christian when I was around 16. My best friend, Rhiannon, had invited me to church with her. I had no experience of church. Um, my family don't have faith. And I remember attending my youth group with Rhiannon, and I was made so welcome. But I also remember feeling my newness to this whole new world of faith and church culture. We have our own language, you know. You don't really realize when you've been in it from the beginning. <laughs> and I just felt that very acutely. All of my friends led worship, or they led groups for younger people in our church. Um, or they knew already that they were called to ministry at like the age of 60. And I really knew nothing. Every time we had to find a reading in our Bibles, I would repeat that little rhyme to myself. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, Acts and Romans follow on. Which was helpful to a degree, but only if I was looking for one of those six books. <laughs> because that was all of the rhyme that I knew. And it remains so to this day. So I was just beginning to grasp, really, the basics of the gospel, let alone what that fully meant for me. But I was also busily comparing myself to my friends and wondering how I fit into this group. And they each, no doubt, had their own things going on. We were a group of teenagers after all. But to me, they appeared knowledgeable and gifted and confident. So fast forward a little bit and I was attending Soul Survivor with my youth group, which is, I think they've, it's finished now, but it's a... It was a great festival for young people. Um, and I went to a seminar where they offered prophetic prayer. And of course, I joined the queue. And a couple of people prayed for me. Um, and they gave me the word that although I looked to those on stage or those at the front as being the people that served God, actually my role was to be in the background and to learn to serve God there. And I remember feeling a tiny bit of disappointment in that because it seemed to set me apart from my friends and like not in a totally good way. Um, but actually the overwhelming feeling was relief because in the background it seemed to matter less that I wasn't um, as gifted or confident or knowledgeable as those I was comparing myself to. And in hindsight, I do not think that God was telling me that I was not or I would never be those things. But in that word, what he was doing was giving me the permission that I would not give myself to stop comparing and just grow in my relationship with him. And I think that we can all agree that this right here, this whole speaking into a microphone being streamed online is not necessarily in keeping with the background. So there's a twist ahead, you know it. And it started with a blog that I wrote um, at, towards the end of my time at uni. 
and it was the first time that I felt like I had something of worth to say and I wanted people to engage with it. And eventually Steve, our rector, um, read it and he emailed me with some encouragement. And he said if I ever wanted to share that, um, then he thought that people um, would benefit from hearing it. And I'll admit to you here and now that I didn't know what to do with that, so I just ignored him. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and the reason that I um, didn't know what to do with it was because it didn't sit with the things that I thought I knew about myself um, or what I thought was my place, and it didn't sit with that word about staying in the background. But Steve being Steve, he eventually followed up. <laughs> and I replied and I said, thanks, but like really no thanks. <laughs> but he had planted that tiny seed of like, could I? Could I do that? Would I have something to say? Would people listen to me? Could I overcome my crippling fear of speaking to a microphone? And really you guys are the only judge of that. Um, but then a few months later I had a dream and I was on stage speaking, and I knew that I was speaking about God. And I don't know how to describe it, except that it had this kind of like hyper-real clarity that we know dreams don't have. And afterwards, I had this conviction that it wasn't just any old dream, but it had been from God. And so I said to God, okay, if I ever get asked to speak again at church, and if, when I am asked, I feel that you've given me something to say, then I will say yes. Isn't that like the most passive, lackluster attempt at obedience you've ever heard? But you know, it's sometimes God will work with what you'll give him. And more fool me, because a couple of months later, Gareth asked me to do a snapshot Sunday talk. And for those of you who haven't experienced one yet, it's great. He asks about three people um, to prepare mini-talks and kind of give a glimpse of how God is speaking to them at that time. And I had actually been processing something with God in the months leading up to that. So in that moment, I knew that that was what I should share, and I knew that I had to say yes. And the reason that I share that with you is because that word about the background had been a positive thing for so long and for so many reasons. But there came a tipping point where although it remained a word of comfort for me, and as Steve got an excuse to say no, <laughs> it was no longer constructive but restrictive, and I had to let it go in order to accept the new things that God had for me. And it was scary. It remains scary, actually. So as we ask ourselves if there's something you need to put down in order to accept something new. I think we need to acknowledge that we can be fearful about being called out of a place that we know or a place of comfort, even if that place isn't wholly positive anymore. Maybe it's a fear that God will not illuminate the next step or that we will not be, be capable of what he asks of us. But we cannot allow fear to lead us to misunderstand God's character. We have entered the story when Abraham is receiving these epic and all-encompassing promises from the Lord. But actually, prior to this, the most information we have received about Abraham is the laying out of his family tree. 
And that is not just to learn about who he is, but more than that, it acts to demonstrate God's continued faithfulness to his people. That if we trace Abraham's family back, we encounter Noah, who received a covenant with God. And if we trace it forwards in Matthew chapter 1, we reach Jesus, the creation and fulfillment of the new covenant that we are invited into. The Lord does not waver or rest in the pursuit of his people. We see even just from Abraham's family tree, he is consistently faithful, continually working for our good. And because of this, we can trust and obey when he calls us into a new season of faith. So we have seen Abraham being called out in order to be called in. But then we see that Abraham has been called in, not just to receive God's blessing, but to share it. He has been called in to reach out. Not only was Abraham promised blessing, but God also promised to make him a blessing. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And as we have seen, as we look ahead from Abraham, this amazing promise is fulfilled in Jesus, the Messiah that came from Abraham's lineage and his descendants. God's blessing was not just for Abraham's sake, or even the sake of his direct descendants. It was for the whole world. For now we have a new covenant that even further demonstrates God's character and his love and pursuit of humanity. The sacrifice of his son Jesus which allows all who believe, Jew or Gentile, every family on earth to have a relationship with him, to be extended the most generous gift of grace. The Lord is explicit in his promise to Abraham that, we, that he will have a legacy. But through his new covenant, he explicitly promises us an eternity with him through his son. But despite the Lord's promises, there are times when Abraham wavers in his obedience and he wonders when these things shall come to pass and he questions if God will indeed provide for him. We see in the next few chapters Abraham taking matters into his own hands, leaving the land of Canaan that the Lord has marked out for him and travelling to Egypt, trying to divide the land that the Lord has given him with his nephew in order to settle a family dispute, and even sleeping with his wife's servant to gain an heir, despite the Lord's promise of descendants. And we witness Abraham having to repeatedly return to the promises God has for him and trust and obey. And each and every time God reaffirms his promises to Abraham in order to see the blessing of others through him be fulfilled. And I think as we ask ourselves what we have in our hands, we need to be honest about whether, like Abraham, there are things that we have taken into our own hands because we are tired of waiting. We may feel that God has forgotten about us or we have begun to doubt his faithfulness and his provision. But there is an invitation in this evening to repent of that and ask God for renewed faith and obedience. And we can do that in the assurance of the generous gift of grace and forgiveness we have in and through his son, Jesus.
And maybe that doesn't feel so relevant for you this evening. But maybe now is an opportunity to take stock of all of the ways that you have seen God provide for you and take the opportunity to ask God afresh how he wants us to use all of the things that we have. The opportunities, the resources, our gifts and our skills, all that God has blessed us with in order that we reach out and be able to share that with those around us. Because God does not intend us to keep these things for ourselves, but mirror the generosity he has shown us in reaching out to those around us. Maybe as restrictions lift, it is thinking about how you can serve at church or how you can demonstrate hospitality, especially to those around you who do not know Jesus. Or considering if you can give financially to the 79 Made Marian Way project. We have an opportunity to reconsecrate the things we have in our hands to God as we seek to build his kingdom. So um, as I draw to a close, we've heard this evening that Abraham's story begins by being called out of the familiar to be called into a new season of blessing. And God's intention for that blessing is for it to be shared. And hopefully we've had the opportunity to think about what that could look like for us as we try to live in faith and obedience. So now I'm going to hand back to Gareth to lead us in our response time. Amen.